Welcome to the Words of a Warrior, a podcast bringing you insightful conversations from some of the most inspiring people. My name is Candy Wheeler. I'm your host. And today I am joined by one of my dear friends, Taylor Ray. Now, Taylor is a yoga teacher, but she also hosts yoga teacher trainings, as well as some of the most deep and healing women's events, which I'm excited to talk about one that's coming up in particular just right from the jump of this podcast, because I was lucky enough to get an invitation to be a part of this experience. And yeah, I'm just excited to introduce this human to you guys for, for so many reasons. One, I've been inspired by you, Taylor, for, for years at this point. We've known each other probably about five, maybe, yeah, maybe five years or so now. And just to get to witness you in in this journey, in this unfolding of your path spiritually, and also just everything you're doing business-wise as well. It's so beautiful to see someone who really does operate from their heart. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for being willing to come on and share your story. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Candy. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think it's been at least five years. I want to say maybe even like six, possibly seven. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. It's crazy. Thank you for having me. I'm super grateful to be here. Yeah. So one thing I want to say is actually, you don't know this part, but the reason why I actually started following you before I met you in person, because my friend sent me your website and was like, this is actually inspo. Like this is inspo for my website. She was saying that because we were we were all like building our businesses at the time. And she sent me your page, your website page. And she was like, this is inspo. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, I want to follow her. And then I did. And then we ended up meeting in person at a women's event. And of course, just naturally, it just, you know, have crossed paths ever since. So I wanted to share that with you because I don't think you knew that actually. I didn't. No, I didn't know that. I love hearing that. That's super cute. (laughs) It's such a good testament though to like, we're inspiring people even when we don't even know it. Like you're just, you're just being you, you're just following your purpose. You're doing your thing and naturally you're inspiring others and don't even fully realize it. So I definitely wanted to take time to acknowledge that. Um, But yeah, to to kind of give everybody an insight into who you are, what you share with the world. Um, obviously, yoga is a huge aspect of what you do, but it's so much more. It's so much more than that. So can you talk about just like the things that you're up to, especially this upcoming event that I want to dive into sharing about? Like, what is it all about? Why do you do it? What do you do specifically? Right? Like, because it's so much more than yoga. It's a lot. It's It's healing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for such a beautiful introduction, Candy. Um, I, it's funny to start with this question because I found myself recently being like, I don't know how to fully describe what I do. (laughs) Right. Same. (laughs) Because I do so much, right. And it shifts and it ebbs and it flows. So a few, I guess, descriptor words that like I really resonate with would be I am a light worker. I'm an alchemist. I am a space holder. I'm a facilitator. I'm a yoga teacher, an adventurer, a lover. Um, I love to just explore life. And a I'm poet always- too. Let's not, miss, <laughs> let's not forget that part. Which is <laughs> new. So thank you for that. Cause I'm still owning that one. 
And yeah, I think that, you know, my greatest passion really is to hold community spaces that bring people together to unfold, to unravel, to shine light on shadow, and to peel back the layers that have really been clouding all of us from who we really are to live in our highest potential. Like that's probably the best way to describe what I do and what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And that shows up in a lot of different ways, right? So that can come through in a yoga teacher training, a yoga retreat, an event, ecstatic dance. I also facilitate breath work. So breath work journeys, uh, the list goes on and the, the types of spaces that I do hold. But underneath it all, my purpose is to really just help people awaken to their highest potential. Yeah, that's a good way to put it because it is absolutely all encompassing of what you do. And and it really is about helping people like, you know, just, I think, navigate the things that have held them back in the past, you know, whether it's like pain, trauma, and I love the trauma-informed work, obviously, because that's important. <laughs> like we, like pretty much you can guarantee everybody has drama and it's something to consider like as you're doing this work, especially as a yoga teacher, especially as a space holder. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's definitely something that I respect and admire about you. And yeah, I know you have this upcoming event, which I want to dive into because it's awakening the sacred feminine, right? Mm-hmm. And it's an array of different things happening on this day. So can you tell me about it? Like what was the inspiration behind this and how did it all come together? Yeah. Thank you, Candy. So yeah. this event, Awakening Sacred Feminine has been tapping me for a while. It's been an idea. It's been uh, showing up probably over the past year, at least in my realm through meditation, through breathwork journeys, through dreams. And I've really been feeling the call to lead, um, a larger scale women's space. So I've definitely held, you know, different smaller women's circles, and I've been part of different women's events and gatherings and the tap just got louder and louder and louder. And I've been seeing it clearly. And so once, so I'm a very visual person, when something continues to tap me so many times and I start to see it visually, I know it's time to run with it. I know it's time to now act on the idea and like pull it into reality. So I will say I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of fear before I really decided to, to, to go for it and to plan it and to create it. And I'd say I probably sat with it for a few months of like, can I really do this? Will it really work? Will people really show up? (laughs) So I just had to continue to trust. And I was just like, okay, I'm doing it. It's, it's obviously feels very powerful and I need to trust. And so I started to pull it all together and to create it. And really the vision for the day is so awakening sacred feminine is pulling so many women together that are part of our, our local community. And we are so fortunate to have like the most incredible conscious community of, of people period, but especially the women here are powerful. Yeah. I've noticed that. I've noticed that myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've seen like all of my friends that are powerful facilitators and space holders, and I've just always wanted to collaborate with all of them. 
And then I've seen so many women and students and clients in the community yearning for connection, yearning for sisterhood, yearning for a space to be held where they don't feel like they have to show up and look different or look a certain way. And so I just have been seeing that need and also feeling it personally. So it's like, okay, this is the vision for the day. It's going to be a local day retreat. It's an eight and a half hour day experience where women get to come together and there's multiple facilitators. So we have um, an opening circle with Ksenia is doing a shamanic opening prayer to really set the sacred container. We'll have cacao in our opening circle, which you're providing. Yeah. We're excited for that, for you to bring that offering. So thank you. Of course. We have, we're shifting into deep shadow work, which is really my jam. You know, when I think about if I call myself a light worker, that is not only to bring the light, that is to shine the light upon the shadow. Mm. Right. And so shadow work is, is really my, my jam. It's my passion. So we're going deep <laughs> and, you know, I'm a Scorpio, so we're going deep. deep. <laughs> I was just, it's funny when I was just, I was just recording another episode and I was like, man, it's becoming more and more apparent that a Scorpio is the host of this podcast. You know, I love it. And then, you know, we'll take that into, um, we have sacred rage held by Amelia, who's beautiful. And so we're diving into the power and conversation and what sacred rage really means and how to allow ourselves as women to hold that in a, in a beautiful way and not something that we need to push away when we feel rage and we feel anger and we'll take that into a breathwork journey. So I'll be guiding that go in again, just real deep through it all. And into some movement, ecstatic dance, creative movement, a little bit of yoga. Um, we have Lillian doing womb healing. So diving deep into the womb and stuff on sound healing to just melt and let the day absorb Mm. and just throughout the day, different opportunities for, for deeper sisterhood connection as well. So a lot of different activities and opportunities to meet people that maybe they don't know and to connect in smaller groups and larger groups. Uh, We have multiple female women owned um, business owners vending different products And then on the lunch break, this has been a really fun idea. So when I was creating this, I saw the lunch break, which will have catered lunch, but um, it's 90, like about 90 minutes. So it's an extended break with different optional stations called awakening portals Mm. with, so like the women who are attending can just eat and chill, eat, chill and connect, eat, chill, and maybe drop into an awakening portal. So we've got like astrology. Reiki, uh, tribal body activate or activation paint. Um, we've got flower baths and ice baths. So just a space where the women can choose. And then love that. Yeah. It's just, you know, really the intention the whole day is to support each other as women to come together and to dive into what does it really mean to be in divine feminine? What does it mean to awaken our own sacred feminine? And to peel back the layers that have been clouding us from remembering like who we really are and how to connect in a genuine safe space and not feel like we have to show up and look a certain way and be a certain way, especially in sisterhood connection. 
Yeah. So I'm all about de-armoring. I want us to all show up and just de-armor together in that space. Yeah. There's so much I could say around it. Magical. <laughs> <laughs> there is. And and something I, I'm just really present to, and I definitely want to get to like this, um, you know, whatever else you want to share about the day itself. But um, you mentioned at the beginning just the fact that we have such a powerful women's community locally in yeah. in Phoenix, Arizona specifically. And I fully second that. I have been just in the most beautiful dynamics relationships with, man, the most inspiring women, you included, Steph included, like every single woman who's who's coming to this. Like when you asked me to be, to be a part of this and I saw all of the women that are contributing to, uh, it was an immediate yes, yeah. because it was just like, obviously like these women that are, that are bringing this all together, it's just going to be amazing. And there was no question for sure. Oh. But there's the, something about too, like, yeah, we are all powerhouses and we all do these amazing things in our own communities, but there's something about bringing everyone together. It's magic. I swear that takes place in that space. And I think we have missed out on this over over the years, or at least in modern day society, like we've been missing this opportunity to really come together as a community. And, and yes, as women and all of that per, in particular, but there's something so powerful that happens when we all come together. And like you said, de-armor, show up in these spaces as ourselves and not being in a space of like, needing to perform or needing to hide anything about yourself. And when you kind of like end up in the space and you do show up as you and you take off your armor and you experience a love mm -hmm. that is present there and you're like, wow, these people love me for me. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm safe here. And then I think what then takes place is like connection. First of all, you know, these relationships, these bonds get built, which there's so much that comes out of that alone. But then also when we're safe, when we feel safe enough together in community, then what, what I find really beautiful is we end up creating together mm. events like this. You know, and what I'm seeing is the possibility of events like this happening, but like on a big scale, like, you know, the amount of women that are attending this, I imagine like, what if they all collaborated and they created something similar? And what if, you know, like those women that attended that event created something similar? Now we have these happening all over the freaking planet, you know, yeah. and the power of that, like, that's what I feel into when I see this, I have chills right now, but when I see these things happening, because it is really a part of our nature, like we're communal creatures and we are meant to work together to, to, you know, support one another in what we are creating. And I think when that happens, we're able to tap into that, like you said, highest potential or creative potential. And that's how we're able to change the world or like do what we want to do here on this planet and initiate the positive change in which we're all wanting to see mm. and the healing that takes place for ourselves as individuals. So anyway, I just wanted to have a little moment to, to talk about that because I've seen it myself. And I just think the 
you know, just tuning into this event being right around the corner. That's what I'm feeling. You know, I'm feeling just the power and the magic that will take place. So yeah, all of that. (laughs) Oh, I, yes. Thank you for speaking to that. And I fully agree. And there's, there's so much potency that comes through community And like you said, having all of us in one space collaborating, you know, I've definitely in my past and I'll still have moments where my ego pops in and I, you know, it might come up in an ego or comparison or competition. And I, I can recognize that that is not, um, my, my higher self. Right. And that's coming from like maybe a scarcity mindset or fear-based But in the end, my vision, my purpose is collaboration. It's community. It's bringing everyone together because there's enough for all of us. And we all need each other. Yeah. We all need each other. And like you said, when we can come together, that's where we can peel back these layers. We remember who we are. We awaken to our purpose. And that is literally how we all heal. And that's how the world heals. And that's how our families heal and our communities So we really do need these spaces. So I really appreciate you speaking to that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's so obvious to me and it's so apparent that this is one of the biggest things that is missing amongst our society in like modern world, right? Like we thank God for technology. Yeah. Cause we're able to do this like podcast recording and zoom call. Like I'm in Southern California, you're in Arizona. Like it, that's amazing. But, and also what I've noticed is because of the way these things have been set up, we become so independent. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, that's great. And then in many ways, it hurts us. It really does. Because when it comes time, when we're dealing with something really big as like a human, like a loss or a heartbreak or, um, you know, family things, I don't know, you name it, whatever you're going through, that's challenging. And then you feel alone in that process because you don't feel like you have the right, the, the friends that understand you or even family that, that can, can hold you and can support you. You have these spaces and I'm so happy that more and more of them are popping up. But there are these spaces where you can come and you can get that support and you can make these connections. I swear to you, Taylor, like, and I'm sure you feel this way too, like all of my great relationships that I have now have come from things like this, like going to things like this, right. And like experiencing them and, and being like, yeah, like we're able to drop in real deep because that's day one. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I, I want to build relationships with other women or I, you know, or I have something that I'm going through that I really need to like heal and show up for and like move through and navigate, but I don't want to do it alone, you know, or I'm having a hard time doing it alone. And I don't feel like anyone in my community can understand me. Well, these, this is your opportunity to come through and experience something like that. So anyway, that's my rant on that. I guess I feel like it's so close to my heart, especially being someone that has hosted like women's retreats over the years, as I know you have as well, you see it like in it's, it's something that you can't even describe into words, like what happens. It's mad. It's like, I feel like the only way to describe it is magic. It really is magic. And 
I can think back to in my past, you know, I used to be afraid to show up in women's spaces. I used to compare myself. Like I had a lot of fear of not fitting in and growing up and being bullied by other girls in school and, you know, all the, all of the sister wounds. And I know so many women can relate to that. I'm pretty sure every single one. So there's like, there's that much power and healing that can come from showing up in a women's space, especially if we have past wounds from other women, right? This is where we get to show up and heal those. And that is one of the most powerful things to then learn that you have people that are women that are safe and that will be there and will support each other. That is something that is so incredibly beautiful to witness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing is like nourishment, right? Like that's what I feel like this entire, it's like a day of nourishment. Like you're yes. Like the ceremonies that we'll get into, but also, um, the movement, the body work and like those things, like even just the fact that flower baths and ice baths is an option. Like, I'm like, yes, like give me all like that, like talk about awakening, like the sacred feminine. Right. And there's so much like for me, I think, that has come out, come out of nourishing myself in this way and nourishing like my feminine in particular, Mm -hmm. like doing like a flower bath, you know, you think like that, that, you know, would it be that impactful? Absolutely. Because it's like, you know, it's just your body craves these things. Your body craves to breathe. Your body craves to move in these ways and craves these nurturing and supportive spaces, this love, this connection, all of it, everything like that you were sharing. I'm like, yeah, my body's like a yes to that (laughs) because it knows we need, you know, it's just like, we need that. These are things that, that we need, like, you know, on a basic human level, I think is just, you know, nourishment. Mm -hmm. I love that you're speaking to that too, because if we look at the actual like event title, right. Awakening sacred feminine. Yeah. More than not in our culture and our society, a lot of women are driving their masculine, right? The masculine is overpowering and where a lot of people are stuck in the the hustle culture, the push, the force, not slowing down, not tapping into intuition or intuition has been completely cut off or it's not trusted. Right. So when we look at like, what does it really mean to live in our feminine? Right. That's like what you said, it's nourishment, it's nurturing, it's slowing down, it's being soft, it's being gentle, like gentle yet strong. Yes. Strong, soft power, you know, and I always think of, I mean, coming from the triple water sign, um, I always tell myself daily, like I, I invite myself to become strong, like a wave yet gentle, right? Like I want to be fluid, like a wave, but waves are powerful too. Yeah. So they, they have that balance of the feminine and the masculine, right? So it's yeah. not disempowering our power. It's not taking away our voice. It's allowing ourselves to tap into intuition so we can speak our truth. So that's also what the day is all about is diving in, like you said, to different practices that that help us to remember like who we are as women and what, what that really means to be a creative, soft, surrendered, uh, gentle, fluid, but powerful person. And that all comes from listening, slowing down, 
diving inward, right. And being in connection and being in spaces where we can use our voices and move our bodies and let ourselves be free and find that space of liberation. Mm, it's so needed. It's so, I can't wait. I'm like looking forward to it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so for everyone listening, if you want to tap into this, um, event, we'll, we'll definitely drop all the info in the, in the box below. I always call it a box. I'm like, <laughs> it's a little box, box below. <laughs> in the box below, check it out. Um, definitely come through. And if we haven't met in person yet, this will be a great opportunity for that. And I'm just so excited, you know, to experience that day with, with all the women that are present there. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention to the event itself? I mean, yeah, we're 10 days out. So it's, uh, the events August 13th. And I really only have 10 spots left. So we're, wow. we're pretty close to full, which is very exciting. Eek. Oh my God. That is exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Come through you guys. It's going to be good. I'm really excited. It's going to be a blast. Now I did definitely want to dive into, you know, the backstory of Taylor Ray, of course, because obviously it's juicy. It's a good one. <laughs> if you don't know her yet, like, man, this is one of the most inspiring women that I know, to be honest. Like there's, there's so many things about you, Taylor. I'm just like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing. And I know, you know, yes, you're leading this amazing event amongst many other amazing things, but you've been obviously on a journey to get to this space. Mm -hmm. And I know it started with your, with your journey in sobriety and you dealt with addiction. And I know you did yoga teacher training, right? Early young. Yes. How old were you when you did that? Yeah, I, well, my addiction, I started using drugs at 13 mm -hmm. and it's very interwoven with my yoga path and my yoga journey and teaching yoga. And I had found yoga at 15 in my addiction. And it was like coming home. My first class was like, wow, I'm home. Yeah. yeah. And it was honestly, it was like in Shavasana and the end of class, I just started to cry and I didn't understand why, but all I could recognize what it was, the, it was the first time I felt content and just really okay without getting high. So it was, it was showed me that something was there. Yeah. But it took many years of battling addiction, continuing to go and practice yoga and kind of living these like two lives and like two realms. And mm -hmm. I went, I started to go through my first teacher training at 19, but I went through my first 200 hour training and I was 21 in mm. a period of 10 months sober is when I went. And so it was amazing. It was beautiful. I had so much fear to work through that. I actually relapsed the last day of training. So we all graduated mm. and I, we went out to celebrate the whole group. We were in New York city and I relapsed. Yeah. And I was in a four month binge and I, I quit teaching. I, I taught yoga for a month. I had this job set up and I quit because I was like in my relapse in the deepest amount of shame, guilt. It was probably one of the most painful spaces I've ever been in. And yeah, I quit and it took me three years and I, I ended up going to treatment four months later. Yeah. And that was day one sober. 
and January 17th will be 12 years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Chills and congratulations. Like 12 years. I knew it had been a long time, but uh, wow. Yeah. And so it was in, you know, the, it took me about three years. Cause I had given up fully. I was like, I'm not meant to be a yoga teacher. This is not for me. I'm not good at this. I tried and I failed every type of story came through and I believed it for a while until again, the tap, it just was so strong in that voice. And really my higher self was like, this is your purpose. It's yes, it's your greatest fear, but it's literally going to be your greatest liberation. Mm. And I went through a second 200 hour teacher's training. Cause I was like, you know, I'm committed. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I started teaching and it was honestly the deepest fear I've ever had to work through was public speaking and being seen and leading groups. And, you know, it's, it took a minute. It took a couple of years for me to really feel like I, I could show up. And that has been, I want to say eight, nine years now of teaching, um, teaching consistently and now full-time for about like seven or eight years. Yeah. That's really beautiful, Taylor. Like that whole journey and like, I guess, yeah. Like why did you choose to, to be completely sober? Do you think it was because like it was impacting you so much that you were just like, it's like all or nothing. Cause I, I'm curious to know like your, your process behind deciding, you know what, like I'm, I'm going 100% sober. Yeah, that's a great question. So like I said, I had started abusing drugs at 13 and I was extremely depressed, um, a lot of trauma, a lot of anxiety. So I found relief in self-medicating and I was really on, honestly, I was addicted to pretty much every type of drug at some point. And I would go through phases. It was about a nine year journey of addiction Mm. and you know, mostly opiates, but all sorts of drugs, honestly. And so I would see myself try in these like periods, try to get out of that life, try to stop. And sometimes it would work for a month, two months, three months. And then I'd find myself in those periods doing a lot of yoga, practicing in mindfulness. And then I would find my way back to something, whether it was the same um, atmosphere, the same group of people, or a whole new group of people, a whole new um, set of drugs and like party drugs or alcohol. And I was just continuously back in the toxic cycle for nine years. So the first time I was sober, it was 10 months and I had done it on my own. And I had used the mindfulness practice and the lifestyle and the yoga lifestyle to help myself. And I thought I had it. I was like, okay, I got this. Like, I'm good. I got this. But once I relapsed, I mean, I'll be really honest here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you, I'm very open with my story. Right. But the night I relapsed, like I said, I was in New York city. Mm -hmm. Um, I relapsed with alcohol because I felt like, well, that wasn't really my problem. Mm -hmm. And by the time that I had a couple of drinks in my system, I felt the relief from anxiety. Mm. And literally within three hours, I was with like the party girl from the teacher training group in New York city on cocaine in a bar. So yeah. I'd already done cocaine at like three within three hours. Yeah. So I was just recognizing. And then a four month binge of everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just recognizing that like, 
I didn't know how to literally um just dabble yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it really was all or nothing for me but it wasn't because it's almost like it really was coming from like it's because I had unhealed trauma yeah because I was living in pain I was struggling mentally I was living in depression and anxiety So it wasn't like, I want to get high and go party as much as it was. I want relief pain that I'm living in. Mm. So when I finally got sober, I knew I needed a lot of time completely returning back to self. I didn't know who I was my whole teen life into my young, you know, young adult years. Like I was using something. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea how to feel. I had no idea how to hold myself through discomfort. And once I recognized that as the truth, I knew I needed to completely clear every type of substance away to literally remember, reconnect and discover myself. And it took me a long time to do that. And a lot of deep, deep work, a lot of hard work. And I lived in um, a treatment center in Utah. I stayed there for a year and I lived in sober living. Like I had a, a very uh, intense journey out there. Yeah. And I needed that, you know, and um, I needed to completely separate from it. And it's just been like two and a half years now that I I have now introduced plant medicine. Yeah. I still identify as sober and I work with plant medicine and I'm sure some people wouldn't agree with that. Right. That's okay too, because we all have different paths and we all have different things that work for us. But for me, being sober means I will never ever choose to use a substance to disconnect from myself or to numb myself or to not feel. And the opposite is true with plant medicine is with plant medicine. I'm going into the discomfort. Yeah. Plant medicine work is not pretty. And people, think yeah. it is. it's, it's messy. It's hard. It's painful because I'm going into the trauma, into the pain so yeah. I can feel it and heal it. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Like, okay, how, you know, yeah. Where, what was your thought process to around, like, you know, deciding to, to, to introduce plant medicine and yeah. to be like, okay, yeah, this is how I'm deciphering the, between the two, like to, to say, okay, yeah. Like using, um, drugs and different things. So like numb is different than actually like being in an intentional ceremonial space and choosing to utilize, and, and this is how I'm going to describe it, choosing to utilize like earth's natural resources to support um, in the journey of, exp- yeah, uh, becoming aware of these different parts of ourselves that need healing and ultimately going, going in and, and delivering that healing for ourselves. So what was your, cause I don't know. Did you ever have a moment where you were like, Oh, this means I'm not sober. Or were you just like, no, you just knew automatically that they were different and your openness around it. Like, how did that all happen? I remember feeling called and very curious for a couple of years before I started to explore it myself. And I think, you know, this is why I'm so open and passionate about sharing my story openly is because 
I remember listening to some other people I had really respected who were sober for years and years and years, and they started working with plant medicine. And Mm. I remember seeing them and being so grateful to hear their story because they kind of honestly gave me permission. I felt like, wow, wait, so you can still be sober and work with plant medicine because it is very different. And I was able to really recognize that. And I remember witnessing a couple of people, like I said, I really respect and witnessing the transformation and how much their self-trust deepened and just, you know, sitting with that and also understanding that's different for everyone. Truly everyone's path in sobriety and recovery will look a hundred percent different. And I remember feeling like a little scared and a little nervous that I wanted to start exploring plant medicine because I had thought, what would people think? Will they think that I'm no longer sober? Um, what would family think? You know, so I was a little more worried about what other people would think than myself. Right. And I had to recognize that and then pull it back into like, I know myself, I trust myself. I trust myself so much now that I will never waver if something is not in alignment and I can explore something. And if it doesn't feel right, I don't do it again. You know, and I trust that I would, I would choose that with intention. So Mm -hmm. with that, I also at the time was starting to explore the thought of working with just microdosing psilocybin as my introduction. And to be honest, this was like, actually not probably three years ago. I was actually on, you know, I had been on and off. Um, this is very kind of a very open, vulnerable share, but again, I'm passionate about just speaking the truth. So I had been on and off antidepressants since my young teens. Yeah. I'd had a few phases of being on them and um, about five years ago, I had a very traumatic experience happen in my life. And then at the same time, a very traumatic shoulder injury that led to frozen shoulder that led to not being able to move my body, which is my passion. Right. Yeah. Um, and having to really shift my entire lifestyle for a while that led to deep depression. Yeah. I couldn't get out on my own. And I used all my tools. I tried, I had supports. I used my mindfulness practices. And to be honest, like I, I couldn't get out. It was in a dark place. Yeah. And I was open to just what would help me. And that was like a low dose antidepressant. And I was so grateful because it did. It helped me at that time, like five years ago. And it gave me the space to then connect back to my tools to help me find my strength again, to find myself. So I had been on it for a couple of years, wanting to get off of it, knowing that, you know, microdosing was a really beautiful tool for a lot of people to if, um, shift from some type of antidepressant or prescription into the natural route. And so I knew that that was going to be my path. And so I created this plan. And so I started to taper down from the antidepressant and I gave myself some space from that. So I didn't have any like intense side effects. And then I began to implement microdosing 
Mm. And it was a beautiful transition and it was exactly what I needed. And it was perfect in that I worked with for a bit to prepare me to then go and have my first ayahuasca ceremony and ayahuasca journey. Um, yeah, I want to say eight months later after I did the transition. Yeah. There's again, there's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's been so much research too. Um, that's like, especially in just more recently, like this is, I mean, the psychedelic revolution has been going on forever really, but even just in the, in these last few years, there's so much research that is out into the world that talks about, um, how many people were able to come off of their antidepressants with microdosing psilocybin. And I found it to be particularly interesting because I'm like, wow, this plant, what do you mean this plant from the earth can actually help people? Yeah, of course it can. You know what I mean? Like these tools were, were given to us for a reason specifically. And yeah, there's, there's, abuse with everything, right? Like you can find people abusing anything, but when it comes to showing up to, um, you know, building this relationship with these plants, I think it's just so much different than hearing about, you know, and, and everybody's journey is different. Like for some people, antidepressants are going to be the thing that is supportive. And I'm just really present to the fact that there's so much around like, yeah, people have started doing this and it's helped them and without all the negative side effects that they were experiencing with other meds and things like that. So yeah, it's find it really interesting, but yeah, you said it and then it, you feel like it opened your prep to you essentially for your first journey with ayahuasca. So you, when did you decide on officially going to take ayahuasca? I remember when I first started to feel the call, <laughs> I was like, fuck no. Like it was like, <laughs> like, she was like, she told me like, you're like, it's, it's time soon. And I was like, ah, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready, you know? Yeah. That it was going to be very powerful and very potent. There's and something, sorry, I don't yeah. need to interrupt you, but yeah. there's something I want to speak to that because like, yeah, there's something around like, and maybe it's ayahuasca alone, but maybe it's just all the plants. Like, like you don't choose her. She chooses you essentially. Like you, you don't say like, I want to go take ayahuasca. Like it's, there's essentially, and I don't ask me how to decipher. Like you just know in that moment. And like my experience is very similar. Like, I'm like, I didn't even know what ayahuasca was when I, when I, I guess we'll call it, you know, the call, when I got the call, like, I didn't know what I, what I was even getting myself into at the time. I was like, what's ayahuasca? And I remember my, my uh, teacher at the time was like, maybe, maybe just like look into it a little before you say yes. And I'm like, sure I will. But also um, like when it's a yes, it's a yes. And you just, you just know. So anyway, sorry. Yes. I know it's it's so true. And it's a hundred percent that like, it's not for everyone it's not everyone's path. And if <laughs> you'll know if, if, if it's part of yours, cause you just, she'll just keep presenting. And here's the beautiful thing too, is every plant medicine I've worked with shows itself to me either in a breathwork journey or in other plant medicine ceremonies. So I, I, I guide myself into mushroom journeys very intuitively, not frequently, 
but whenever it's time. And it was in a mushroom ceremony that I was told that it was time soon to sit with ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. So I then it came back in a or in a, a breathwork journey not too soon after that. So it was just like very apparent that it was time. And yeah, I began to prepare myself and I had um, a Changa ceremony also presented itself in that breathwork journey. Basically coming through is like to prepare for ayahuasca, go sit with, I know this, this guy who I trust, go sit with him and experience Changa first, which is the combination of DMT and part of the ayahuasca, smokable ayahuasca. And it was um, a beautiful ceremony. And honestly, once I was finished with that, I understood why I needed to do that first, because it was all about releasing control. And I needed to find that sense before ayahuasca. So I'd say it was about six months after that I was in Costa Rica last year, just over a year ago. And I had three ayahuasca ceremonies and changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. (laughs) Yeah. One thing I loved about you, you know, going through this experience was that you actually essentially documented the whole thing. And I don't know if it was, it was probably not in real time. Was it in real time? Like when you were actually posting these things? Cause I remember seeing this on your page and like, wow, she's really documenting this whole thing. So it was interesting when I had arrived to the retreat center in Costa Rica, I told myself, I'm going to take a social media detox while I'm here. I'm not going to get on. I'm here. I'm in my ceremony. I'm in my retreat day one after the first night. Well, in my first night, actually during the ceremony, a message that came through was you need to share this right now. Wow. Like people need to see your experience right now, not after. And I was like, really? (laughs) Wow. And so I I did. Yeah. I just trusted that. And I just started to share it like literally in real time, day by day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, how bold, you know? And like, I don't know, people, people might have opinions about you know, this whole thing, like in the sacredness behind the plants. And I mean, we can even speak to that, but I think like there is, and it's essentially the reason why I share this podcast too, is like, there's something so beautiful about being able to go through these rites of passage and then to share that, you know, and like, I don't know, maybe somebody will never be able to go to the jungle in Costa Rica or never find themselves there, or even never try ayahuasca. And that's fine. Right. Whatever. But even just them seeing you and seeing you share the realizations that you have around the experience and share your story. There's so much power in that. There's so much beauty in that. Like, and I don't know, I just think it's really beautiful to get to have that experience to be able to share that with others. And why not? Like, why wouldn't you? I mean, I, I get some people might feel like, oh, that's a private thing, but at the same time, I can see the value in, in being able to share that publicly. Absolutely. And I, again, like I, I follow the tap, I follow the intuition. And so some people might have opinions, totally fine. It doesn't affect me because I know that I'm staying true to myself and I'm just following my intuition. And I know, like you said, 
I mean, I'm a storyteller too. Like I I'm, that's part of my, my path. I feel like is to just continue to share my story and tell the story in the most truthful way, you know? And so that when that came through in ceremony one, I was a little hesitant because Mm. I was like, wow, really? But she was like, you have to share this as you're in it. Mm. And I totally was like, it was beautiful to be able to do that. Yeah. 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 Wow. And so, yeah, that, that was a year ago and you're gearing up to go again next month, right? Or this yeah, month? Yeah, it's no, it's literally next month, September. Yeah. I'm going to Peru for my first time and I will be sitting in four more ceremonies within eight days. Mm. I, yeah, whew, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I'm ready. Um, I'm very excited to be in Peru for it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be special now. Um, yeah, I guess I'm curious to know, like, uh, okay, you go beautiful revelations. Like what, you know, what is your process around like taking what you learned and, and sharing that? Because obviously I know like there's a reason why you do what you do in, in the shadow work and all the things, right? Like the things that are all a part of this event that we were speaking to at the beginning of this conversation, I know have been inspired by like the work that you've done in these sacred spaces. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how I want to word this question, but like how, you know, if you want to speak to any of the particular things that you experienced during these ceremonies and how they've, how you've like, you know, taken those, realizations and those revelations and added them to what you share now? Yeah, I totally understand the question. And I really like this question. So, I mean, there's, again, like we could go for hours. this. So I'm going to do my best to just pull it into some more simple um, pieces here. But I would say the deepest thing I got within my first journey with ayahuasca within three ceremonies was to understand what suffering really means, not only in my own way, but in a collective and how each person suffers and not in a way that is in ways that we don't even really grasp yet. I think some, you know, cause it's easy to get stuck totally. in our own kind of routine and like, we all struggle, we all suffer, but there's some extreme, uh, suffering around the world. So I was taken deeply into that. And, uh, my third night, you know, as I did share this very openly and, um, documented it as well was the hardest experience in my entire life. My third ceremony, I was taken into the absolute depths of the darkness in the world and in myself um, honestly, we could say I was taken to my own version of what hell is yeah, or whatever we want to call it. So I, you know, coming out of that experience was actually pretty shaken for a couple of days and, yeah. um, did some deep reflection on why I went to that dark space. And I had the facilitator who I'm actually going to, to be with in Peru she's the one that helped me to really navigate this and work through it was 
to understand how to hold the light and the dark equally. So Mm -hmm. like we can't hold the light truly if we don't understand how to also hold the dark just as much. And so I was taken into the depths of darkness in ways that I've never imagined I could even experience personally. Yeah. It was like my entire lifetime of trauma thrown into one experience. So it was extremely heightened. Yeah. So that is, like you said, shadow work, right? I was taken into the deepest space of abandonment. My abandonment wound as a little girl, um, the deepest fears. And so I had to go there though. I had to go there to understand how to carry myself, how to choose myself truly, how to love myself, how to hold other people and their darkness and their shadow, how to help not, not do the work for them, but be maybe just someone that can be a reflection to, again, like I said earlier, what is a light worker to me, someone that can shine light on the shadow So to help other people see that within themselves. And so integration after was really hard. I had to make some serious, serious life changes to really recognize my patterns, my stories. And I, I went on like a, like what I called a dating detox for months after Mm. I needed to separate myself. I was having some toxic patterns in relationships before ayahuasca. But I found myself cycling in and it was just all coming from that abandonment wounds. So, I mean, I, and I had to like really integrate because integration is the most important part. We can learn in ceremony, but if we don't integrate that into our life, yeah. now what? You're going to go try to sit again. You're going to keep going through the same thing without actually making the shift. Right. Right. And so it was really painful really painful at first. And I remember, so ayahuasca is one of my guides. Now I can, I speak to her. I feel her. She speaks to me. Um, and I remember those first like two months, three months, maybe I would like find myself, catch myself naturally going to like this past pattern that I would do like this past thought or like action or a behavior that was no longer in alignment that I was working on shifting. And she would drop in and she would go so gently, honey, we don't do that anymore. And it was constant hearing that voice. We don't do that anymore. And I would like stop from choosing the the pattern. And then I would shift and rewire and choose something in alignment. Wow. And it was painful. I'll tell you what, at first it was not easy. It was very, very hard. But having that reminder, just hearing her, whether it's her, whether it's my higher self, whatever we want to call it, having that voice drop in was, was very powerful. Yeah. It's a complete shift. It sounds like it's just this um, pattern interruption, right? Where you, you would normally otherwise just do the thing and it would just be um, subconscious completely. But then now to have this like intervention, if you would come in and be like, Hey, mm mm-mm. Well, you know better essentially, or like, you know, that's, that's not what we're doing anymore. This is what we are doing. And, and to consciously choose that that's, that's big. And I could see how like that, yeah, it can make such a big impact on the way you choose to show up and the way you choose to live and yeah, the, the choices that you make in life now. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, because I went into such darkness and myself and others and understanding it, I, I'm really not afraid. I'm not afraid of my darkness. I'm not afraid of yours. I'm not afraid of like being in a group and having it all surface. I, I, I see it as beautiful. You know, it does not scare me. And I think that that is a huge part of like kind of answering that question that you asked, like, how does it show up in the work too? Yeah. In the work that you do, like, of course, in your own path, but then the work that you do as a facilitator, it's like, it's so important to have that, that conviction in what you do. Like I, there's nothing that you can do that surprised me. I remember Ksenia, who's a part of this event as well, that you mentioned at the beginning. I remember she, she said the same thing. She's like, literally, there's nothing that could come up in this ceremony that could surprise me that would, that would have me like respond in any type of way. Like I am fully here for all of it. And I think, yeah, there's something, there's definitely something to be said about that, like all of that being welcomed so that you, again, don't feel like you have to suppress any part of your journey of any part of your experience. And I think that's what makes, you know, yeah, this, this work that you do so special and so significant and so healing for everyone that gets to be a part of it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And like Taylor said, like her and I, we're both Scorpios. Like we, <laughs> we can go deep. We, uh, this probably won't be the only time I have her on the podcast. <laughs> Honestly. Um, we, yeah, we could talk for hours on this stuff, but you know, biggest invitation here is to come just experience it for yourself with us on August 13th. So definitely dropping all that info. Taylor, thank you so much for sharing your story and deep diving. Um, I know we we said a lot in, in, a, in a short matter of time, but I think it's all very, very supportive and excited for everyone who gets to listen to this. Thank you so much for having me, Candy. I, I just adore you. I love you. I love how you show up in, in, the, in the community, in your life. And yeah, I'm grateful to, to walk beside you. So thank you. Of course. Is there anything else you want to share with everyone listening? Any like last bit of words that you want to leave everyone with? I would love for everyone to take a deep breath together. Let's close there. So if you're not driving, you can close your eyes and just take a moment to feel, maybe place a hand to your heart space. Let's all take a nice collective inhale through the nose and exhale, sigh it out. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you, Candy. Thank you, Taylor. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in today. Until next time.